Welcome to this week's podcast from Gathering Place Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, please visit our website at gatheringplacechurch.com. Amen. Well, God bless you. We're happy you're here this morning. Are you guys excited as we launch into a new series, Hope for Your Home? God's really been stirring this in me, and I'm excited to finally get it out and share with you. I wanted to just take a moment and just share a little bit of context of how this series began to stir in me. The beginning of our school year here at Zion Christian Academy, we had um, a chapel, and we asked kids, you know, whatever's going on in your homes, whatever's going on in your life, we want to take some time and pray with you. And about over half the, the students here responded, and they came forward, and we had different groups of prayer groups that were praying over your kids. And there was a group that I had, and uh, one of the girls who's a third grader here at ZCA, she uh, began to just open up and share some things. It was her first year here at the school, and her parents moved out of town, and we're happy to find the school here. And she just opened up her mouth and began to talk and share. And the thing that just struck me right in between the eyes, she said this. She said, Pastor Garrett, pray because my mommy and daddy won't stop fighting. And then several other kids just began to open up and share. And you know how it is when one person's vulnerable, then kind of this vulnerability begins to take place. And so these presence of God showed up and began to touch. And students again, third, fourth, fifth grade began praying for one another and praying over these situations and just led them in this beautiful moment of God touching them. And so kind of through that, God had been stirring the series on family and marriage, on home culture, because we know that we can feel the presence of God here in church. We can experience the power, the conviction of God. But if our Christianity does not bleed and reach into our homes, then honestly, and I personally believe this, then what good is my Christianity if it does not extend beyond the four walls of this church? Because there is a commission aspect to the gospel, and our homes are the most important place that God wants to get into. Mother Teresa said that if you want to change the world, go home and love your family first. So there is power and there is grace God gives us to go into our homes. Now, all of our homes look different. Our home cultures are very different. You might be like Bree and I, and we have a 13-week-year-old baby in our home, so we are adjusting to that. We are getting used to no sleep. That is the context of our home right now. Your home, you might have three kids. Hofkers, we pray for you. We love you. Uh, You might have uh, five, four kids, five on the way. Johnson family, we love you, and we pray for you. Um, I don't think anyone has beyond that here. We will definitely pray for you as well, though. But everyone's home looks different. Last week, Miss um, Jenny, our, our youth leader, shared a powerful testimony of how she walked through, um, her and her husband Terry walked through the loss of her daughter through um, an overdose of heroin and how that began to, to configure and how they had to reach out to God and just recently was diagnosed with breast cancer. So you might be like Jenny and Terry where you're sitting down and you're having conversation (coughs) and you're talking of how are we going to adjust to this? This just happened. How are we going to heal? How are we going to walk through this? Maybe you're not married. Maybe you're single and you live by yourself in a dorm room. Your home culture there is still a culture. And what I want to say to you through this and what we need to define about home is home is wherever you're at. 
Home isn't one day when you get married or one day when your kids leave. Home is wherever you are at, single, married, divorced, whatever that looks like. And home culture defines so much of who we are. I think you would agree with this, is our present home culture is very much affected by our past. You know, how I was raised affects a lot of how my culture and my home with my wife and my son is today. If you've been married, you know the struggle is real when two different home cultures come together and collide, and then you have to figure out of what is our normal going to look like. And so when two home cultures come together, there is this process and this way of of working through that as well. You know, I don't take this lightly. I laugh at it, but there is um, some very serious things, like I said, with Jenny, and there's also maybe you're uh, in a place where the divorce card is openly on the table and you're walking through of, okay, what is this gonna look like now that we're pursuing that the divorce card's on the table? How's this gonna affect our kids? How's this gonna affect our family? You know, I shared in the first service that I think about my dad and how he met his mom here at church and how his life radically began to change when he started coming to church here. And I'm telling you, you can meet your spouse in church. I believe it. I've seen it happen. And not only that, but the Holy Spirit will be so good to confirm that and make sure that the person you're to meet and marry has the same name as you, okay? (laughs) It can happen. But I'm thankful because through my dad and his testimony and his story is what he had to walk through. And if you don't know his testimony, his story, especially when he was a teenager, it can be summed up in a couple words. There was a sense of abandonment in his life, sense of neglect. And I'm thankful because as I was uh, brought to tears of several weeks ago and seeing my dad now hold his grandson and seeing the price that my parents made and seeing what my dad came up out of, the presence of God radically changed his life, touched him, I'm a product of him fighting to come up and seeing God change his life where now my family line has changed and I didn't have to know a life like that and my son will never have to know a life like that. I can tell you there's power. Whatever home card you are dealt through the grace and power of the Holy Spirit, you don't have to stay there. You can come up out of it because there is an inheritance in Christ that is available to all of us. So I'm here to tell you this morning And what I want you to hear loud and clear, whatever your home looks like, there is hope for your home, wherever you're at, whatever your situation looks like. You know, our our mission here at church, at GPC, is to bring healing to a broken world. God's heart is to heal your brokenness. He's not uh, repulsed by our broken humanity. He doesn't, isn't Zeus in heaven looking to strike you down when you sin? He's not mad at you, but his heart is to heal you. Salvation is healing, and salvation is a healing lifelong process of where our broken humanity becomes healed. You know, when you think about your home as well, as we dive a little bit deeper, is many times your home life and your home culture, however your parents raised you, it shapes your views on race, it shapes your views on authority, it shapes your views on... on uh, politics, all of these things are shaped by the home you grew up in. And so what we wanna do is say, and really what the heart of it is, and the main point is, is if you're taking notes through this series, is what does a healthy home culture 
look like? What does it look like? Because in order to build a healthy home culture and parents, you know this, it takes intentionality. It takes being intentional. Because regardless, your home does have a culture, whether you like it or whether you know it or not. It might not be a good culture. You might be uh, at your wit's end of what's going on in your home culture. You might be unsatisfied. You might be older and singled and you want to get out of that season of your home culture. But whether you like it or not, or whether you know it or not, your home does have a culture. But what our heart is, is we want to have a real Jesus home culture in our homes. And we want it to be healthy because when Jesus touches our life, he not only just wants to heal us physically, he is concerned with our interior life and wants to heal us from the inside out. So we know a home culture never happens by accident. Look what this warning and this caution we see in Deuteronomy 4.9. It says this. It says, only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. I love this right here. Teach them to your children until their children after them. Teach them to your children and your grandchildren. So when you experience Christ, you know, you may be sitting here and you're a first-generation Christian. You may have family in your past that have never professed Christ, never went to church, never followed Christ. So you're the first generation of taking a stand and saying, in this home, we're going to serve God. In this home, we're going to love. In this home, we're going to go to church. And so you may be a first generation of building that culture in your home. Look what the New Testament says, Ephesians 5.15. I love this scripture, and this has been so much of, of what's guided me. It says this. It says, but be very careful. Everybody say very careful. very careful. Then how you live, not as unwise, but wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So we know that we live in evil times. We live in evil days. So how we lead, how we love, how we build our homes are that important. You know, I think of it this way because culture, worldly culture, very much influences our lives. And culture is kind of like this. You might not think you're influenced. There's times I don't think I'm influenced, and then something comes up, I'm like, man, I let a seed grow in me that I knew I should have never allowed to get there. But I, I see it this way is, it's culture is like a current. And simply, if you just sit down and you lift your legs, that current's going to take you into a place you probably never want to end up. So that's why it's important that we build our homes and there's a current of the grace of the Holy Spirit that's guiding and leading us. So when we do pick up our feet, we're going to be led into a healthy, into a real Jesus home culture. You know, as we're talking about home, this isn't just for parents, this isn't just for marriages, but really parents, you have a high responsibility to raise your kids and to train your kids and to lead your kids. You know, there's this term I came across known as abdication. If you're taking notes, this is the first point. If you're not familiar with it, I wasn't, so I had to look it up. And like we do all good things, we go to Google and Wikipedia, right, to look up things we don't know. Um, so as I was studying this and as I was looking this, abdication would, uh, really this term would be related to the royal family. And if you were mesmerized, as many were with the royal wedding, uh, I heard a story where this came out. But this was... Uh, this term was really brought forth in 1936 by someone by the name of uh, King or Prince Edward VIII. And he abdicated his role to take the throne as king because he was in love. See, at the time, 
if someone was divorced, then they could not come into the royal family. And at the time, England, if you're king, you're in control of the church and you're in control of the state. And so what he had to come to grips with in a decision is if he loved her, then he would have to abdicate his role to step in to the royal family. So his love outweighed his responsibility, so he decided to abdicate what was rightfully his. And as I heard this, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what happens whether we realize it or not, is because we're tired, because we're busy, because uh, the influence of the world and of culture and what we see and what we hear, we abdicate our responsibility to lead our homes to somebody else or to something else, or we just put a screen right in front of our kids and allow them to be trained and led by whatever they're watching. Or the way God has set it up, he gives us the grace as parents. He gives us the grace as male and female, husband and wife to lead our home and to set the culture in our home. So what I'm trying to get across is we don't wanna abdicate the responsibility of what God has put in our hands, but we wanna run with it and know that God is and has empowered us. You know, it's crazy, you look up Barna Research and you look up statistics. You know, many times we're oblivious to what our kids are even being exposed to. Conversations we hear at the school, we see what kids are exposed to. Statistics will even tell you that the first time a child is now exposed to pornography is age eight. So if children are being exposed at such an early age, then how much more are we to begin to have conversation around these things and begin to talk about these things and not to make it that once that happens, then it's an awful thing. So that, per that child is shamed. Therefore, he's never going to approach his parents. What happens is he approaches a friend or he approaches someone that will tell him what's happening. And if it's not parents, it's probably not the best influence that that child is getting. So what I'm saying and what we're going to give you, we're going to give you a lot of resources in this series from apps to books to teachings that are going to help uh, influence and help guide you and be a resource to you, for parents, especially for your kids. So what we don't want to do, we don't want to abdicate our responsibility to something or someone else. You know, I even see this in church life. You see, um, many families or parents, they'll just send their kids off to church because they want to break and not come themselves, right? So they abdicate their responsibility of what should be happening in their home to some pastor or a church will take care of it. Now, the way God set up the church it is to partner with what's happening in the home, and the church comes around that and helps train and teach what already is taking place in the home. Now, don't get me wrong, we're going to reach kids no matter what, even if they are abdicated here because we love them. But the best way to have it is to where it's being hit at all perspectives. So we don't want to abdicate. Number two is we don't want to isolate. Now, if you do a little research on this, this was a popular way of, of raising kids in the 90s. Where what, I, what do I mean by isolate? I simply mean if in order to isolate ourselves from anything external that might cause us to fall into sin, that might cause us not to, um, anything that would tempt us potentially. So what do we see? We see, uh, and I kind of joke about this, but we're only gonna wear Christian t-shirts, we're only gonna eat at Chick-fil-A, we're only gonna shop at Hobby Lobby, there's not gonna be any TV, any music, nothing that the world could potentially get in and pollute us, right? So there was just this staunch, we're not gonna touch anything of that. 
You know, when I went off into college and I went to ORU, a Christian university, I met kids that were extremely isolated in their homes. And then when they get a taste of freedom, and a lot of these people were my friends, they just go AWOL and they run after everything that was oppressed in their life and take it all in. And I'm like, the opposite should be happening here. There should have been a holiness there, right, that kept you from doing that. But the, again, the current and the culture of the world is so strong that if not properly trained and if conversation from parents isn't taking place and managing exposure, you know, that's the heart of our school here is that we would raise up kids to be world changers, that we're not isolating them from everything, but we're getting them for a short amount of time so that they can be trained because here's the main point and here's the heart of it is we have to understand that greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. Another way to say that is, is the God in our homes and the God in us has to be bigger and stronger than the culture that's coming at us. So if we can get the word of God, if we can get the kids baptized in the Holy Spirit and we can get them trained up, then they're gonna be able to laugh at temptation and not take the bait because they're gonna be able to see through it. And that's the same for you and I when, when we're here in church. We're getting trained for a short amount of time on Sundays and then we take it into our quiet times and then we're empowered to say no to temptation, to say no to unholiness, but we're able to have a strength about us. You know, I, I laugh about it this way too, is if you were to take yourself, you didn't have any direct TV, no Wi-Fi, anything that could feed anything into you, you put yourself on a remote deserted island, we would still be screwed up because we are there and what is inside of us and the sickness of sin that wants to keep us going. We see this in scripture. Jesus talks about, the, about, about this very thing with his disciples and he confronts the Pharisees. If you look in Mark 7, chapter 5, you see where the Pharisees are getting in a tiffy and getting all emotional and worked up because the disciples were going to eat something with unclean hands. So this is the conversation they're having. And Jesus' response we see in verse 14 is this. He says, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it's what comes out of a person that defiles them. See, we put so much focus on, I gotta make sure nothing touches me or gets into me. In reality, what is already in you is going to come out. So Jesus is saying, you know, we gotta deal with what's already inside of you. It says this in verse 21. It goes on to list that if not led by the Holy Spirit, if not changed by the Holy Spirit, this is what our flesh and our humanity will naturally bend toward. It says, from within, out of the heart of man comes evil thoughts, comes sexual immorality, comes theft and murder and adultery, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. I wrote this down, our biggest problem is eternal internal, not external. It's dealing with what's inside of us. Now, Pastor Garrett, are you saying that I can watch whatever I want, I can listen to whatever I want, I can, can consume whatever I want? No, not at all. Proverbs 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart. And so we guard and we set boundaries in place 
But the bigger issue here is dealing with what is inside of a person, not just blocking them from it, but dealing with what's inside. You know, there's this video that uh, Kaylin had sent me, Kaylin Johnson. They've enrolled their kids here at the school. And man, it's awesome to see Charles and Kaylin, what is happening in your marriage and your family and your children's life, seeing them excel here at the school. Uh, but Kenny, if you would show that, there's a video of her doing her homework in the home and going through scriptures. Their daughter Hazel is uh, in kindergarten. And it's amazing to see how she's getting the word of God in her. And if you've been to ZCA, you know your ABC scriptures. They stick with you for life. Uh, but check this out, and I believe it'll bless you. All have sin and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. B. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. At 16.31. C. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is why. Ephesians 6.1. D. D, depart from evil and do good. Psalms 34, 14. E, even a child is known by his dues. Proverbs 20, 11. F, fear not, for I am with thee. Isaiah 43, 5. G, God is love. 1 John 4, 8. Isn't that awesome? So that's our heart here is when she gets that in her, guess what? It's never going to leave. What does scripture say? Train up a child in the way they should go. And when they grow old, they won't depart from it. So the investment that is happening into your kids and those of you that have your kids in the school or those of you that take that time with your kids to invest into them, it's going to stick with them for life. I'm a product of it and I testify to that. And so we see again, Jesus deals with these things that is within us, and we don't want to isolate. You know, I love, and really this next point, we're going to carry it on into um, the rest of our series of what does a transformed home, what does a transformed life look like? Because abdication isn't the way, isolation isn't the way, but if we can get the transforming power of God operating in us and whatever our home looks like, that's where the game changer is, and that's where things will really begin to change. And that's where you'll see God move and show up on your behalf. I love this right here. I wrote this down, that God wants to do something in you so that he can do something through you. If you don't allow him to do something in you, then you're not going to see him use you in whatever capacity that looks like. You know, I love this because we see Abraham come into a covenant in the book of Genesis. He comes into partnership with God. And when we ask God to transform us, we're coming into a partnership with him, allowing him to transform us. Look what the promise was given to Abraham. And because he allowed God to touch him, because he was willing and obedient to go to a city he did not even know where he was going to go, God gave him this promise. And the same promise is for you and I. He says this, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and ever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Don't you want to be a person where people are blessed because of you being obedient to God? Where there's this blessing coming off of your life and it's touching other people? Scripture also says this, he says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. You know, when it comes to transformation, 
It's got to come from a heart that says, transform me first. Let it start in me. Stop picking on your kids or on your wife or on your roommate and say, let it happen in me first. What is it, Holy Spirit, that needs to be healed and happen to me? Maybe I need a little more patience. Maybe I need a little more self-control. And you watch what begins to happen. You know, I know this for matter of fact, as God is no respecters of persons. Anybody thankful that he's no respecter of persons? Your family is never too far gone. So there's no reason for you to ever give up where you're at, what you're battling, what you're going through. There is hope for your home. There is hope for your life. And it is never too late. It's never too late when you pursue the heart of God. Kenny, I want you to put up our scripture here in Romans. I want you to see from this perspective, uh, commentary will tell you is that this is the mark of spiritual transformation. So as you're walking through spiritual transformation, this is what begins to blossom in the fruit of your life, what it begins to show. Look what it says. It says, love must be sincere. So your love begins to become sincere. You begin to hate what is evil and you cling to what is good. There's devotion. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. That's key right there in serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. These are some of the hardest words in scripture. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony. This is what our homes God desires for them to look like. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people, lowly people. Don't ever think yourself too good. Don't be conceited. Don't repay another evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I love it. This is what our heart is, and this is what I want to be subversive and intentional to get into your homes. Because as I said in the beginning, if you don't have a home culture that's honoring God and these things aren't happening, the word of God isn't transforming you, the prince of God isn't touching you, then you have to take a step back and look at your Christianity and why isn't, isn't the current from church connecting into your home? That is God's heart for you and it is possible. I've seen it. I've seen it change my life, my family's life. It touches every season of your life. So be encouraged by that. I'm gonna leave you with this, and Christian, if you would come, is this transform people, transform the culture. Untransformed people are transformed by the culture. I love that. When you are being transformed, then God's gonna put a work in you to then go and again bless somebody. You're gonna see him use you to transform. But the thing is, if we're not allowing ourselves be, to be transformed, See, Paul talks about bringing ourselves as a living sacrifice, right? Well, what we know in the Old Testament and under the Levitical law is if when an animal was sacrificed, that was the end. It, it prayed its price, it atoned for what it needed to, but then that animal was dead. Well, what Paul talks about bringing ourselves as living sacrifices is when we bring ourselves as living sacrifices, when we're sacrificed, we don't die, but that's actually what makes us live. See, when we lay our pride, our ego, our vices, our um, disunity, all the things that bind us and keep us bound, when we sacrifice it, when we lay those down and say, I want to follow Jesus, 
I want to surrender all I am to Jesus, then guess what? You become transformed. And then you're going to see things in your life begin to change because you're becoming what we just read in Romans. And that begins, begins to become your story and your words and who you are. So this morning, I want to pray with you. And I want to ask, man, if you can be committed to this series, I believe you're going to see the grace of God penetrate into your home. And we're going to believe that God can begin to change some things, some things that you've been so unsatisfied with, you've just chucked in the closet and said, I'm done dealing with that. Be brave and be bold and allow the Holy Spirit to begin to bring some of those things back up so that he can begin to heal that. If you bow your heads with me, let's pray. Father, we thank you that there's hope for our home this morning. We thank you that what you want to do in our lives is exceedingly, abundantly more than we can ask, think, or even imagine. Father, right now, we've experienced the grace of God. We've experienced his kindness. God, let it lead us to repent of anything we've done that's grieved you, Holy Spirit. Anything in our life that's sin, we repent of right now in Jesus' name. God, we know you're coming for a pure and spotless bride. And we want to allow ourselves to be transformed, to be made new, to be a new creation. We want to crucify the remnants of the old man who wants to try to peek its head and tempt us and pull us into a life of sin and into our past. We want to kill that part of our life through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Father, we ask that the grace of God would begin to invade our homes, that we would begin to have hope again in whatever season, whatever our home situation we're in right now. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed. For more messages like this one, check out our website at gatheringplacechurch.com.